It wasn't at all clear that it would happen, but it is official. Take me out to the ballpark. Baseball is back. But the league almost struck out after collective bargaining talk stalled. For now, the season is called safe. They were in a lockout for almost 100 days. The owners of the 30 Major League Baseball teams and the players' reps couldn't come to an agreement. 99 days of wondering if the season would even begin. Well, that's all done. Compromises were made. The season is back on with two big changes. A designated hitter for both leagues, and we'll see 12 teams in the playoffs this year instead of 10. But life goes on. The Brooklyn subway shooting. Police shooting in Grand Rapids, war in Ukraine. These deserve our prayers. But sports have a way of uniting people. But not like Christ. His resurrection doesn't just create unity. It promises an end to all violence and strife. I'm Charles Morris, and welcome to Haven Today, where we tell the great story of a resurrected Messiah. And this is a program called The Empty Tomb. And in a few minutes, we'll be joined once again by Dr. N.T. Wright, who is a New Testament and early church scholar at the University of St. Andrews, Scotland. The Christian faith is based on the dramatic but seemingly impossible proposition that Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead. Christianity got going in the first place because the early Christians believed that he had been raised bodily, leaving an empty tomb behind him and thereby launching God's whole new world. I think the early Christians were right. I'm not saying that just because I'm a bishop, or even because I'm a Christian. In fact, one of the reasons I am a Christian is because, as a historian of the ancient world, I've looked closely at the evidence for Christian origins, and it stands up pretty well. The question is, do you have the courage to follow the argument and see where it leads? Dare you agree with me? That's N.T. Wright from his Resurrection DVD. He's well known for defending the historical biblical position on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you missed our first day with Dr. Wright yesterday, you can go to our website and hear what he had to say. N.T. Wright is a world-class scholar. He's considered the conservative authority on Jesus coming back from the dead in body and spirit. So please stick around, and I know you're going to be greatly encouraged. Then after the program, I want to send you a copy of Dr. Wright's Resurrection DVD for your gift supporting this ministry, which is all about the risen Christ. The film was shot on location in Israel, Greece, and England. It traces the historical roots of the resurrection in both the scriptures and history. And as you watch, I think your faith in the risen Lord will grow. It's also a helpful DVD to share with people who don't believe, to help them see that Christ did indeed rise again. Our number to call after the program is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website. You can make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Now let's open the program with Risen Today. Christ the Lord. Is risen today, hallelujah. Sons of man and angels. 
Schust opening the program with a song on the resurrection risen today. Now, we'll be thinking about the power and new life of the resurrection in a few moments with Dr. N.T. Wright. But before that, let me give you a little context. The resurrection has such a powerful effect on us for light and life because of how dark the three days were leading up to that first Easter Sunday. What was the crucifixion and burial of Jesus like for his followers? It was like having all our hopes erased. She's been on this program before, but I'm recalling at the very beginning of her life, Anne Voskamp was marked by the memory of her parents holding their toddler, her younger sister, in tears and begging God for a miracle. A truck driver had pulled into the driveway of their farm home and had not seen their little girl, Amy, walking out trying to go after the family cat. God did not send a miracle that day. That little life was lost. Well, Ann Voskamp writes these words about the memories of dark days after that. At the grave's precipice, our feet scruff dirt. A clod of dirt hits the casket, shatters, shatters over my little sister with the white blonde hair, the little sister who teased me and laughed. They lay her gravestone flat under the earth, a black granite slab engraved with no dates, only the five letters of her name, Amy, which means loved one, and how she was. We loved her. And with the laying of that gravestone, the closing up of her deathbed, so closed our lives. That's what Ann Voskamp wrote. Now, you can imagine the permanent mark of grief that, like the gravestone, was set in the hearts of Anne and her parents. We sometimes forget, even as Christians, how dark death still is. Paul reminds us that death is still our enemy, and it will be the last one Jesus must conquer before his final victory. That's 1 Corinthians 15. His disciples felt this horrible darkness and the enemy of death that swallowed up the teacher whom they loved. His name was Jesus. His name meant Savior, but he had not saved himself. His title was Christ, anointed one, but he had not been anointed as a king, but only the oil came for his burial. The disciple Jesus loved watched at the side of the cross of his Savior, this anointed one, as the lifeblood ebbed out of Jesus. The disciples' hopes, like the hopes of Anne Voskamp's parents, seemed completely erased when news arrived that their rabbi had been buried in the grave. They may have thought of Psalm 115:17, It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. Or Psalm 88:48, Who can live and not see death? Or who can escape the power of the grave? Death for dark days held a stinging power over Jesus' followers. And as we reflect on our Lord's Passion Week this week, we need to remember these dark moments that gave way after two long, dark nights to new life. So let's explore a little bit not only how much new life really meant for the followers of Jesus after they had experienced these dark nights, but what that new resurrected life means today. Back with us today, Dr. N.T. Wright, and he wants you to call him Tom, or he used to be Bishop Tom. I asked him when we were together, does the resurrection of Jesus say something to us as believers right now about how we live in the 21st century? The resurrection of Jesus basically says 
new creation has begun and you are invited not only to be a beneficiary of that but also an agent of it. Mm -hmm. The thing about living as a Christian, people often imagine that it's a matter of having 10, 20, 100 rules on the wall of do this, don't do that. Now, rules matter, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but rules are only, as it were, the surface noise, the icing on the cake. There is something much deeper, much richer, something that's growing of which these are just the outward symptoms, which says, listen... If new creation has begun and you are in Christ, you are yourself supposed to be a little walking bit of new Mm. creation Mm. right now. Now, here's what it'll look like, and that's where you get the rules and the guidelines and the advice and the the firm. Uh, You must do this, mustn't do that stuff in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But these are ways of saying... It's difficult to be part of new creation. You will need help, and these rules are there to help you. But it's actually the most liberating thing out. And we're not only supposed to be little bits of new creation, we're supposed to do bits of new creation mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. works of justice and mercy, in works of love and beauty, you know, art, literature, feeding the homeless, feeding the hungry and homeless, working with rehab programs to help people in dire need. All of this is about bringing the new creation down to earth. Jesus taught us to pray thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven that's what the resurrection is all about mm. and the two go together then absolutely yes yes absolutely. they do uh, god intended heaven and earth not to be split apart but to come together paul says exactly that in ephesians 1 10 mm. most of our listeners would be uh, in north america now you're coming from a totally different context you're looking at christianity not just in uh, great britain and and then also europe and other parts of the world uh, but you've been coming to North America for a while here. You've, you've, you've taught here, as you pointed out earlier. If you could change anything uh, in Christians in the United States and Canada, and even your own country uh, in Great Britain, what would that be? Where would you try to lead them? What would you try to get them to see that they're not seeing now about the resurrection, about Christ, about the cross? What would that be? It's hard because I've got about 15 things and it's hard to know well, how to and, rank and them. And you can but, be critical. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of trying to draw you out a little yeah. bit here to be critical. But let me start even. with where we were because that's a very important thing to me. I have heard so many people in Britain and North America who sing uncritically those hymns which simply say one day we'll be off to heaven as though that is the end of the story and I've said again and again in the New Testament heaven is important but it's not the end of the world Uh in other words in other words Uh, If you want to say that when you die, if you are in Christ and indwelt by the Spirit, if you are a Christian, you go to heaven. Fine. Okay, Paul says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But that's not the end of the story. Christians are committed in the New Testament to a two-stage post-mortem reality. When Jesus says to the dying thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise, today, that's Good Friday. It's not Mm -hmm. Easter Day yet. Mm -hmm. There's a time when he is dead in paradise with the thief. But then on Easter Day, Jesus rises again. And according to Paul, all those who have died in Christ are at present, he uses the word asleep in Christ. I think it's a conscious state. I don't think it's asleep in that sense. People sometimes misunderstand that. But then he says, at Jesus' second coming, then those who are in Christ will rise. That's the really important thing. Paul and the other New Testament writers are much more interested in the idea of the final new heavens and new earth and are being raised to life in that. And the thing is, if you believe simply in dying and going to heaven, what's the point about trying to make this world a better place and do justice and mercy within it? But if you believe that God is going to renew the whole heavens and new earth and that that already starts now, that gives us a whole agenda for our own life and mission – 
right here and now. You might as well explain that to us too. In Genesis, there was creation out of nothing. And, mm-hmm. and, and go ahead and use the Greek yeah, word yeah, or the yeah, Latin well, or whatever, yeah, well, but, but explain <laughs> in, that to us. In Genesis, the creation is made out of nothing, so it seems. The Latin traditionally ex. is creatio ex nihilo. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, but the new creation in Revelation 21 and so on, we are told to be creatio ex fetere, a creation out of the old. And the model of Jesus' own resurrection is exactly that. That's right. That Jesus' own resurrection takes the bits of his body, the the body that was, the dead body, and transforms it, leaving an empty tomb behind it. So it's a that recognizable is, body. You know, stick your hand at my side or or you could see that It that is recognizable. Him. But, of course, because it has been transformed, it both is recognizable and looks different. Like if my friend, who is currently very sick in hospital, if he gets better, which I hope and pray he will, though the doctors are not sure at the moment, hmm. then one day I will see him again and he'll be better... And he will be look different from how he looked when I saw him just a few weeks ago when he was mm. still very sick. Mm. And I'll look at him and say, hey, is it really you? Can it be you? This is wonderful. And that's the sort of sense. There's a recognition, but let's not imagine that this is just a resuscitation, that you come back exactly the same. Because, you know, our bodies are full of decay and death at the moment. We Bits drop off them and, you know, mm-hmm. hair and yes, fingernails, yes, but also yes. lots of other things go wrong with them and eventually we, we die. But the new bodies that we're given will be raised immortal. They will not die. Mm. Tom, you've mentioned the new creation making itself known in music. How does the Lord speak to us today in music and even art? It's hard for me to pick one work of art or one piece of music that speaks of new creation because there are so many. There are so many. And I was privileged actually to share in one by the composer Paul Spicer, who wrote an Easter oratorio a few years ago for which I did the libretto and he did the music. And we're supposed to be working on another similar thing right now. But there's one thing which which really stands out. In the British Museum, at least it lives there, but it goes around from time to time, in the basement, there is a tree of life which stands about eight feet tall and was made by local artists in Mozambique after the Civil War. And it's an amazing thing with its full structure and leaves and birds and animals around it. And it is made entirely from decommissioned weapons. And it is just hugely striking that for a generation that had forgotten that there might be such a thing as peace because of all the horrible, horrible violence. And we're not talking about people shooting people at 200 yards distance. We're talking about Mm. people hacking each other to bits with with farm implements, you know. Um, uh, To see those weapons being turned into a sign of beauty and peace and hope just a very, very powerful and striking statement. It was commissioned by um, Christian Aid in collaboration with Neil McGregor, who is a Christian, who is the director of the British Museum. And to me, that sort of thing is worth 50 volumes of theology, as people can come and stand under it and weep and think and pray. And you don't have to have lots of fussy little words telling you what to think. You just look at it it. and it just tells you about new creation. Mm -hmm. And it's straight out of Isaiah 11 or out of Micah or whatever, beating your swords into plowshares Mm -hmm. and your spears into pruning hooks uh, and, and the tree of life from Revelation and the leaves of the tree being for the healing of the nations. And to think of local artists taking weapons and turning it into just that's absolutely stunning that's living the resurrection today it really is isn't it yeah wow amen thank you amen
by the second chapter of Acts out of Church on the Way in Hollywood. That's the Haven Quartet and their version of Easter Song here on A Haven Today with N.T. Wright called The Empty Tomb. And before we leave our time together, I've asked Dr. Wright to lead us in prayer. Almighty Father, we thank you that through the mighty resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have overcome death and opened the new creation, the new world that you always planned and made. We thank you that by the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ at work within us and in the world, you can and will do new creation in and through us. We pray that we may have the courage in our day so to have our minds renewed by this message that we may live in our own lives that risen new life to which you call us, but may also be the means of bringing that new creation to the places in your world that so badly need it. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Long ago he blessed the earth, born older than the years. And in the stall across he saw, through the first of many tears, Life of homeless wandering, cast out in sorrow's way. The shepherd seeking for the lost, his life the price he paid. Love crucified.
so glad that my friend Michael Card could close the program with his song, Love Crucified Arose, here on the second day of our conversation with N.T. Wright. You're listening to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, a program called The Empty Tomb. And just before we go, I'd like to send you Dr. Wright's documentary called Resurrection. It's an epic film that was shot all over Israel, Greece, and England, showing you historical sites to better understand the historical aspects of Christ's resurrection. But also, this film will help you better understand what the Bible teaches about the resurrection. I know after watching this documentary, your faith will be emboldened that Jesus Christ is indeed alive today. And I highly encourage you to share this DVD with those you love who don't believe and pray the solid evidence that's presented will cause them to trust in the risen Lord. So call us right now and ask for the Resurrection DVD. The number's 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website, watch the video we have there with Dr. Wright, and then make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. One last thing. As you know, the war in Ukraine continues. So many have fled. So many are in dire need of basic needs like food, water, even shelter. Would you pray about how much you can give to support refugees in and around Ukraine? $50 feeds a family of five for a week. We're sending 100% of your gifts to Mission Eurasia, who's on the ground handing out food and also hope in Jesus. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we will share together the resurrected Christ here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Our minds expand when we hear lectures, but discipleship is about apprenticing, living life with someone and learning by doing. That's what Jesus was aiming for when he called his first followers. Mark 3:14, telling us Jesus called the twelve so that they might be with him. Jesus knew. You don't become a disciple just by listening. You have to be with, be taught by doing. I think that's why Jesus was willing to send out his disciples into the surrounding towns and villages for ministry. They certainly weren't ready, but they didn't have to be. Jesus was with them. His power strengthened them. But more than that, he had showed them what faithful ministry looks like. He teaches us by doing. Get closer to Jesus daily. Visit GetAnchor.com.